We are kicking off a new series and it is all about heroes and superheroes and I am not a huge, I'll admit, I'm not a huge superhero fan. I don't know a lot about, uh, you know, all comic books and, and superheroes and villains. I don't know all of them, but my kids really like them. In fact, they dress up, my little, my little one, Bowen, he dresses up all the time like Spider-Man and, uh, and puts on, you know, the, the, the mask and, and the full getup and he's running around and trying to save things and it's awesome to watch uh, because he actually wants to be Spider-Man when he grows up. And I think a lot of kids aspire to being a superhero, right? And one of the things that you never really consider or see, it doesn't seem like they go together, but a superhero that dies. And so just, just kind of referencing this, is uh, Superman here uh, just, just a, a classic superhero is seen and, he, and he's fought Doomsday and he dies and Doomsday's shadows towering over him and, and looking down and you, you don't really picture this taking place when you think about a superhero. But I want to consider that here today as we dive into some of the superheroes of the Old Testament. Now, one of the key passages we're going to be looking at is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, drawing your attention to verse 1 to 3. It says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This, this is what the ancients were commended for by faith. We understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. When I graduated from grade six, um, a transformation took place in my life. I decided to take on a new identity, if you will. I, I planned to enter seventh grade as Ben. I, in fact, my former name, everyone called me, was Benji. And Benji does not sound super cool, all right? People named their dogs Benji. And uh, that, that name didn't, was like, I'm, I'm a man now. I'm grade seven. I can't be called Benji walking around school. Like, and so I was going to become Ben. This is not this is as intriguing as kind of being a superhero or a special agent. But I wanted to grow up. I wanted people to recognize that I was getting older. I was more mature. And, uh, and really, that kind of went with my personality. See, I was the older brother, and uh, my younger brother, Jordan, he's six years younger than me. And for some reason, I always see my brother, even though he's taller than me, uh, even though he's like, a, he has kids and, and he's a grown man, I always see him as my younger brother, right? This, this six years that separates, he will always be young to me. And we just that kind of dynamic. And, and they say that studies show that personality, you, you get a lot of characteristics out of your, per, you know, in your personality based on, you know, where you, where, where you stand with your brothers and sisters, if you're the oldest or if you're the youngest. And we have characteristics that kind of come out of the, uh, those relationships uh, and that family dynamic taking place. And it's funny, my youngest who wants to be Spider-Man, he will always say, you know, Dad, when, when are we both going to be the same age? You know, he, he, the concept of that he will always be this much younger than me, he doesn't get it. He, he wants to understand 
when are we going to be the same age? Uh, how, how do I get big? Uh, you know, th- these kind of questions. And that is the dynamic, the, the brotherly dynamic here we're going to tackle in this first story, this, this first superhero story of the Old Testament. And we're going to find out who that is by looking again to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. It says this, By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. And so Abel, the first one listed here, what do we know about this guy? How do we, how do we understand this superhero? And, and if you look at this and if you start studying Abel, it's really hard to get you know, information about this guy. His first appearance here is in Genesis. And, uh, and Abel was the baby of the Adam family, all right? He, he's the younger brother. So some suggest that, um, you know, it's, it's, he was a, maybe a twin of his brother Cain, um, but it's unlikely because we see that he came out after Cain did. And so, so he's the younger brother. We see uh, the Bible introduce him in Genesis 4 verse 2 and kind of gives evidence of kind of being the younger brother. It says, later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. All right, so we, 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 we see that Cain and Abel are separated by time. And so who is this? Who, who is Abel? We don't know a lot about him. We don't hear about his childhood. We don't know about his spiritual upbringing. We don't know uh, like his hobbies or his interests, his dreams, his personality. We know his occupation. We find that out, that he is a, he is a shepherd. You know, he, he looks after a flock of, of, uh, of animals, right? And so we know that, but we don't know his accomplishments. We, we, we don't get kind of spiritual potential models for us to understand by looking at his life. I mean, we, there's, there's not much to it here. We don't get a lot of information. And he can't be compared to people like Moses or, or, or David or Elijah. I mean, some of these people who are mentioned after him in this passage in Hebrews, but we, 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 don't, we don't get any information from him. In fact, it's almost... It's, it, he, un, he appears almost unexpectedly in this passage, in Genesis and in Hebrews, and he comes in as quickly as he departs. And so why is he mentioned? I mean, why, why would the book of Hebrews list him as a superhero of the faith? Why, why would they list Abel? What, what, what is significant about this guy? I mean, he's obviously the hero of the story that we're going to read, But Cain actually grabs the center stage here. Cain is referenced far more than Abel is. In fact, we see Cain referenced 16 times to Abel's eight. It's almost as if he's mentioned every verse in this story, right? He's nonstop talking about Cain because Abel is only with us for a short amount of time. It's almost as if the author wanted to underwrite this superhero and focus in on something Cain was doing and, and, and his kind of legacy that he left. 
And so let's just check out this story. I think there's, there's four parts to this that we can take out. And if you're thinking about this in like a movie or a comic book, I just want you to think about this in four main parts, four main categories. And, uh, and here's the first one. It's, it's, it's the first part, if, if we wanted to kind of have a chapter of this, it's called the two offerings. And we find it in Genesis 4, 1 to 5. And here's what it says. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And so this is, this is important for us to grasp here. This is important for us to, to, to understand and to get that the beginning of the story. We see the two sons of Adam and Eve. We, we see them, uh, they, they prepare to offer a sacrifice to God. Now, we don't really know why. We don't know exactly what took place. We know that Cain, he's a, he's a, he's a farmer. We know that Abel, he's a shepherd. They each bring an, uh, an offering to God uh, that represents their occupation, right? And so Cain brings a portion of his crop and Abel brings a portion of his flock, right? God accepts Abel's, but he rejects Cain's. And we're not sure why these brothers are bringing offerings. Uh, we, we just find out that they bring them in the course of time. So what is so different about these two offerings? I mean, why, why does God accept one and he doesn't accept the other? What, what is the significance here? See, Abel's, if you look at his sacrifice here, some say that, you know, he, he, his, his sacrifice, you know, included blood and every sacrifice needs to have the shedding of blood and, and, and others believe that Cain gave like an excess of his, uh, of his crop, right? Like the leftovers. It's kind of like in the summer when people like give you a whole bunch of zucchini because it grows like there's just, they have tons of it, right? Or when someone donates like, uh, like a Pentium uh, 386 computer and they want a tax receipt from the church, right? Something like that. It's just, it's not the best of things. And some say that Cain didn't give the best of what he had and Abel did. But whatever theory you want to embrace, Cain lacks sincerity, and spiritual motivation to please God. Abel offers his sacrifice by faith. Which leads us to the second chapter here, all right, the the second act, and and it's called the warning. And it's found in Genesis 4, 6 to 7. It reads like this, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why, Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And so that word crouching, it actually translates out to like serpent. And so you, you think about the serpent in the, in the Garden of Eden and the serpent representing Satan. And, and so it's the same kind of thing taking place here. And so this section, it it highlights God's response to Cain. 
And Cain is, is resentful. He's, he's, he's angry. He's frustrated. And God approaches Cain, pointing out that, hey, Cain, you're, you're looking angry. It doesn't look like you're, you're happy about this. And God asks him, don't you think that if you do well, you will be accepted? But then he gives him a warning. And so he tells Cain, yeah, if you, if you, if you give me your best, if you try your hardest, it's going to go well for you. But then he gives him this warning. But if you continue in anger, then sin, literally Satan crouching here, will dominate you. And so choose wisely, Cain. We see the amazing God of second chances. Cain is, is kind of upset. He's, he's angry at God. He, he doesn't think it's fair. He's a lot of resentment. And God is willing to forgive, willing to give a second chance, and yet still gives the warning, but allows Cain to, to almost repent here and turn from the direction that he was going and the temptation of the crouching serpent, right? The sin here. And give him a second chance. And, and part of you is like, just like you watch in a superhero movie, you're like, why? Why, God? Why are you giving him a second chance? And we see that God does this time and time again in this story, which leads us to the next chapter. And it is the murder. It's the murder. It's found in Genesis 4.8. It says, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. And so you're like, Cain, what are you doing, dude? Like, why are, why are you killing your brother over this? Like, th- this is kind of what you're going to do? What is going through your mind? Why would you do this, Cain? And Cain doesn't listen to God's warning. He doesn't listen to what God has to say. He instead goes and does his own thing, and he invites Abel to join him in the field, and then he kills him in cold blood. And, and, and it's, it's savage. It's, it's brutal, right? And this is not the way that the story is supposed to end. Superheroes aren't supposed to die, right? The story's not supposed to end like this. You're not supposed to end in this kind of somber, frustrating type of way. Abel is the superhero, and he dies. He is the man of faith. And yet Cain, almost the villain here, he lives. He's just minding his own business, Abel. He's just doing what he does. He is obedient. There's nothing really exciting about Abel. He's just doing what he knows he needs to. He is obeying God in the everyday of his life. And somehow, some way, pays for it so very dearly by, by giving his life, right? See, faith is the willingness to obey God regardless of the consequences. No matter what. A- Abel is willing to do that no matter what. He's following through, even on the, the, the you know, his mundane kind of life that we're seeing here. It doesn't record too much about him, but the fact that he honors God in the everyday, even to death in his obedience, is part of the reason he's mentioned here. See, this contradicts our, our natural instincts. This, this, many people, we, we, we go to Christianity and, and they give their life to Jesus and, and we say, you know, life is a lot better with Jesus, which it is, and it gets a lot easier with Jesus, which isn't necessarily true, right? 
that, that, that there's prosperity when, when you get to Jesus and you, you hear things like, why, pr why, why pray and ask God for a, for, a, for a Chevy when you can ask him for like a Ferrari, right? That, that somehow that it's always a happy ending, that it's, 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 it's magical. It is, it's, it's something like a fairy tale. But it's not true. It never really registers sometimes that a life of faith in following Jesus may indeed have lethal consequences. Which brings us to the next chapter here, the, the final chapter of this story, and it's the legacy. And we're going to break this down into two different sections, the legacy of Cain and the legacy of Abel. And we find this in Genesis 4, 9 to 16. Here's what it says. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And this is, this, is, this is interesting, right? Cain is still front and center. Abel is gone, and we still see kind of the, the villain, the, the person who makes the, the bad choice, who, who falls into this, this temptation of sin. He's still listed here. He's still talked about. When, when God confronts him, Cain tries to cover it up. He is like, it just grows, right? When you do something bad, you try to cover it up. You, you eventually, it kind of comes to the surface and God expresses to Cain that he knows what happens and yet still Cain doesn't show any remorse. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't really care. And, and so as a consequence, God curses the fields of Cain, tells him that he's have, he'll have like this lost kind of nomadic lifestyle where he will, he will wander and still with no concern. Cain doesn't have any concern for anyone else except for him. And he basically lets God know this is too much. I, I, what am I supposed to do? How, how am I supposed to make a living? How am I supposed to have a family? I'm just, people are going to try to kill me. And, and again, God, time and time again, looks out for Cain. And he gives him a mark that no one will kill him, that he will be safe. And so, as we continued on, if you kept reading, you would find basically the genealogy here that came from Cain and the land that he settled in and what happened there. You, you can find more about that if you continued to read about Cain's life. His legacy is one of selfishness, of, of, of not giving God his best. And now we see if we look at the legacy of Abel, something, something different here. See, Abel's first legacy is one of giving his life. 
He gives his life in an act of obedience here. It was never that his sacrifice was bigger or better or bloodier. It wasn't about that. It was that it was given by faith. He gave his best of his flock. His second legacy, though, is maybe even more important. It's an eternal one. In fact, we we read it here again in Hebrews 11 verse 4. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offering, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. See, in Genesis 4, Abel's spilled bloods, it, it speaks to God. It speaks to God immediately. But Abel's testimony continues to speak even today. See, in the pages of Scripture, as we find it in the Bible, this superhero of the faith testifies about the importance of faith in following God and living out for him. I found this quote, and and it's an unknown author here, but I loved it. It says this, Though Abel was the first to die and see God, his reward is not yet complete. Every time someone reads his story, Abel testifies to faith in God. He won't receive his full reward until his story is read for the last time. See, the question that Abel leaves us with is, is our faith strong enough? Are we strong enough to live out obedience, even sacrificially? Abel's story, it can teach us, even beyond the grave, it can continue to teach us that living by faith, living by faith, it might have consequences. Regardless of the consequence, we want to be obedient. We, we want to press forward. And we want to live our life as a superhero in the faith. And so let's check out what are, what are our, our next steps here, the, the questions that we need to ask and ponder. The first one is this. Take time this week to let a superhero in your life know the impact that they've had on you. Who's played an important, important part of your life? And why don't you say anything? I don't, sometimes in our culture, we, we, we don't let people know their worth or their value or they've done a great job. And so let someone know. Speak life into them, right? Number two, a sacrificial offering is making the choice to relinquish something to God. Ha- having faith that he will, he will do more with it than you ever could. Consider a sacrificial offering if you, uh, that you can give over to God. Not the leftover zucchinis. Not, not the Pentium, you know, 386. It's... it's, it's It's giving God the best. And can you live and give sacrificially? Number three, ask yourself, what legacy am I leaving behind? Is it lining up with Cain? Or is it lining up with Abel? And how can I speak life into someone this week? Who can I speak life so that I can leave that legacy that represents God well? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this story of Abel and the heroes of the faith found in the book of Hebrews. And uh, it's, it's exciting to, to hear, uh, you know, just, just uh, you know, living an obedient life, just kind of standing firm and walking in you and, and, and the, the straight and narrow road, God, that that can, that can be honored, that, that that can speak to other people. And Father, we just pray that you would strengthen us, God. 
that we would live out our lives in obedience, that we would give sacrificially and and use these qualities, these things that you've given us, these gifts, these talents, these abilities to serve you and to honor you well. We pray that you would go before us in the week ahead. In the name of Jesus, amen.